0: Hey everyone, we've got a fun and fascinating conversation for you today, featuring VP of Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, Mahathi Shreder. Founded in 2005 by Steve Case and based in Washington, D.C., the firm's focus is centered around startups located outside of hubs, where traditionally most venture dollars have gone to. Mahathi joins me to dive deeper into the firm's generalist approach the verticals she believes are most ripe for innovation and the firm's unique origins of starting in a bus. Equally, you won't want to miss her advice for junior analysts and associates on how to stand out and level up your career early on as an investor. Super excited for you all to tune in and enjoy Mahati's insights today. Mahati, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, of course, William. Excited to be here.
0: Awesome, I love it. Well, let's let's dig in a bit here. We'd love to, you know, understand um, you know, what you do at Revolution, the thesis of the fund, and then I would love to give our listeners some context on you and your background a bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Revolution is an organization that was previously founded by Steve Case, the founder of AOL. Within Revolution, there's actually three separate funds um, that have their own investment theses that different teams are investing out of. So I sit on Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund. So we're the earliest stage of investment that comes from the Revolution family. Typically, we're investing into companies raising anywhere from 2 to $8 million. And we participate with initial checks anywhere from like 250k up until a million. What's really important to note, though, is that we aren't leading rounds or taking board seats typically or or setting terms. So we're very much a co-investor. We like to use the phrase catalytic co-investor. So really serving as those super nodes for many of our investments that are across the rest. And much like our name alludes to rise of the rest, we are specifically investing in U.S.-based entities outside of Boston, New York, and San Francisco. Really, really passionate about empowering founders to build what they wanna build, where they wanna build it. And that was ultimately what helped us build out this thesis and kind of differentiate ourselves on this very increasingly crowded stage in venture capital. Going to your second point, kind of like my background and, and how did I find my way to this fund? Um, I'm from North Carolina and grew up in Raleigh, Durham. Um, I'm a very proud Tar Heel. So go UNC, go Heels. And uh, started my career in investment banking, actually down in Atlanta, where you are. Realized I didn't really want to grow up to be an investment banker and, and wanted to find a space that I felt really really... really excited about, really passionate about, stumbled into this program called Venture for America. Much like Rise of the Rest, they have a mandate where they work with recent college graduates to place them in startup ecosystems across the US, primarily secondary and tertiary ecosystems. And through that program, I was placed in Charlotte and basically worked with through my two years to help launch a VC fund in that ecosystem specifically focused on early stage fintech. And for me, that was the first experience where I saw the impact that early stage venture dollars can have on a new growing ecosystem. They empower founders to get access to capital resources that they would otherwise have to hop on a plane to go to New York or SF to get access to. It also helps bring together the community to help support the founder. And so for me, that was just a great introduction into the the impact that venture capital can have and also seeing how it can have even greater impact in a place like Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, From there, I leapfrogged a little bit, bounced over to a different fund called Bull City Venture Partners, also in the Southeast and in North Carolina, Um, expanded my own personal aperture as an investor outside of just fintech into more enterprise SaaS. And still, though, something that I had seen like pretty common throughout my time investing at this point was that founders still put a huge value on New York and on San Francisco and just like these really robust ecosystems. And so I ran a personal experiment, went to business school with the idea of really becoming a part of the New York or SF based ecosystems to understand what's so appealing. Why do founders constantly and consistently flock to these places? And how can we recreate that in other markets? And through that went to Columbia. And while I was there, I worked with Primary Venture Partners, which is an amazing fund that focuses primarily on empowering founders within the New York City ecosystem. They have a very robust platform, still at the earliest of stages. And for me, that's where I saw it. It's really serving as a connective node, really being able to bring your community together and add value for the founders. And so for me, Through that time, that's where I was able to connect with the Rise of the Rest team. The thesis made a ton of sense for me. And I've been working with them ever since, trying to bring that same community, being such a super node for our founders, just being able to drive impact to them and their overall ecosystems that they're a part of through our fund.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like you've had an array of immersive experiences throughout the early part of your career. And now you're at revolution. You know, as you think about revolutions. Thesis a bit more. You know, what are the the areas that you all are focusing on most in terms of verticals? Are you all geographically agnostic, things like that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we're definitely a place first investor. So really emphasizing the rest, investing outside of Boston, New York, and SF. But what's really cool that kind of stems from that is that we're true generalists. Mm -hmm. So we're able to tap into a lot of different market segments and a lot of different cities and geographies across the US are really famous for being very good at certain parts of the industries. So take Atlanta, for instance, payments is super, super hot right now. Supply chain and logistics is also coming up there as well as in like Chattanooga. Um, We've seen a lot of health tech coming out of St. Louis, coming out of Nashville, as well as like the RDU regions. And so for us being able to be true generalists, we're able to tap into all of the opportunities across these um, various geographies, and then also like build our network strategically to continue to empower our founders that are working in all of these different vectors.
0: I love that you you all are focused on the rest. I think that's such a cool thesis. And so we have some context on revolutions, thesis, the areas and verticals they like to focus on. But what about you personally? I'm sure, you know, you've been in venture for some time now. Curious if you have a, a personal affinity for some particular spaces or verticals that you just are extremely passionate about.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Honestly, I, I feel like whatever space i'm interested in is constantly ebbing and flowing changing with the types of deal flow that i'm getting where the market's moving and just like generally my curiosity so again thankful to be at a true generalist fund that affords me the opportunity to float around across different industries um, presently i've been spending a ton of time in access to care and the care economy um, as we become more comfortable in hybrid environments as telehealth becomes more mainstream I'm constantly thinking about how we can both like improve access to care to different parts of the country, especially specialty care to different parts of the country that had previously had to travel hours to get access to into their homes through digital formats, increasing just the general reach of specialist care, as well as as we think about the care economy. So thinking about aging in place, thinking about how the demographics here in the United States are shifting or trending older. So how can we continue to provide the care the network and the community to empower folks to feel like they have everything they need where they need it, affordable costs. I think that's ultimately where it's coming back to is efficient and affordable access. And so thinking through how technology can really help push the limits there. So that's kind of one space. And then another space I've been spending a ton of time as well is in future of work and what that looks like. And not necessarily for your large enterprises, but also for your small and medium-sized businesses, for your main street businesses, how is technology continually going to impact and drive for better innovative processes, more efficiencies in all of these types of business models? How are you know COVID and post-pandemic tailwinds going to further drive and change consumer habits? And how are you going to consistently evolve and stay competitive in an increasingly digital market? And so these are kind of all questions and and parts of the market that I'm currently diving into. Um, And and there's a ton of really great opportunities out there for each of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. You know, the U S has an increasingly aging population. And so there's a huge need for innovation to deliver care as a lot of people now are focused on in-home care, longer going to centers, to nursing homes.
1: aging in place, right? Yeah.
0: So there's, there's huge opportunity for innovation there. And then future of work, I think that that's really self-explanatory. That's been such a hot space. So now our listeners know what, what type of deals to send to you. And yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, kind of transitioning a bit here, we're, we're still, you and I both are at the early parts of our career as investors in the venture world. And so curious, do you have any practical intangible tips um, for analysts and associates who are just launching their venture careers on how they can be truly impactful to their team and equally the the founders that they're meeting and working with within the portfolio day to day?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Always answer emails, I would say. Never leave founders hanging. I think what's really important as you continue to build your career and venture is recognize that you're building your own personal brand as well as supporting and building your funds brand. So thinking about both of those collectively, also like separately is really important. Um, I would say get get active on Twitter. And by active, I mean, you don't have to tweet every day. I absolutely do not tweet every day. Um, but just, you know, follow people, see what they're posting, see what articles they're linking to, see where their thoughts are. There's a lot of great nuggets. And for our, our industry specifically, I feel like that is such a good source of truth and such a great community to tap into and get um, involved with early on. A lot of jobs are posted there, different opportunities, meetups, coffee chats, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's just like a great like place of knowledge. Um, and then finally, as you're thinking about your role and like getting smart on the industry, like do the work, you know, go the extra mile, especially if you're more junior too. like build out that market map, build out that resource, take it one step further in terms of your analysis and, and kind of answer the like, why? Why now? And so what? And create your own thesis too. You know, it's okay for you to Disagree with or not see eye to eye with the lead investor on your team, but being able to articulate why and why you're holding that opinion, I think, is really important. Because ultimately, as you continue to mature as an investor, your opinion matters, and being able to voice it and articulate it succinctly is is what gets you through the door.
0: Yeah, that's that's excellent advice, especially around you know going the extra mile and then building kind of your own thesis, because you know the goal is to um, ascend throughout your career. Right. And as you do ascend and go from analyst to associate to principal to partner, you're going to have more responsibility. You're going to be a decision maker. Yeah. Be incredibly informed, um, you know, as you do ascend to those new levels. So that's excellent advice. And I think something for me that's been pretty fruitful is also building relationships with universities. in the Yeah. City as well, whether that's You know, student founders on campus or the leaders of the innovation centers on campus, really connecting with them. Um, bringing value to, to them in any way you can, whether that's through mentorship or making connections to other funds focused specifically on universities and things like that. There's so many avenues that, that you can explore, especially. For
1: sure. That's such a great point. This, this industry is so relationship based and relationship driven. Yeah. So being mindful of all the connections that you're fostering, you know. You might meet that person in one year and then three years later, they're developing their own startup or they're at the top of this space in terms of like being a a subject matter expert and you get to lean on them for for advice and and support and help. And just like being able to continue to be a value add back to your community and back to your network and fostering those strong bonds, I think is, is one of the most important skills that any investor can carry.
0: Yeah, see you get it. And and you know, speaking about, you know, value add, I'm curious, you know, at the seed stage where you all are investing, you know, how do you kind of present your your value add? How do you create value for companies at this stage as as um Revolution is investing today? Yeah,
1: definitely. And I think a lot of it goes exactly back to what we were talking about was Being able to foster that ecosystem, create that community and serve as those nodes to let our founders lean into the existing rise of the REST network as they continue to grow and scale. So whether that's our network of subject matter experts, whether that's investor network as they go for subsequent growth rounds, being able to lean on us to help connect the dots for them, prepare them for all of those events and just be a, a voice um, and just sort of like a peer perspective as they continue to grow and scale is how we are able to add value. We have um, a tremendous uh, member of our team, Amira, who runs uh, portfolio success and portfolio support, and she really helps connect the dots in terms of like more formal resources for all of our founders and bubbling up all of those bespoke asks so we can make sure we're addressing them all as a team. So that's, that's kind of how we kind of tailor our approach and sort of our help to each of our companies is by being able to understand exactly what they want and tapping into all of our independent and individual networks, as well as the greater rise of the rest network to be able to like bring together the right meeting of the minds to support our founders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an imperative at this stage, right? You have to be pretty entrenched with the, the founders to get them to that next uh, vector of growth. Whereas, you know, with growth stage, you're just kind of giving them capital. To go a bit faster, but here make yeah. those connections. You have to really, really be up. You know, sometimes late with the founders on the phone, thinking through customer conversations, contracts, things like that. So
1: yeah, it's very much like um, stage dependent, right? Being yeah. at this earliest stage, like you said, like seed, early series A, many times product market fit isn't a thing yet. So just being able to be a voice of reason as the founding teams are working through how they want to establish that, coaching them that it's okay to fail, it's okay not everything is going to work, and being able to know what Plan A, Plan B, Plan C is, and how and when to execute on all of those to continue towards that path of growth, um, always critical.
0: Yeah, so true. And you know, transitioning a bit here, there's you know the the, the markets right now, public markets. Are certainly being affected by the macroeconomic turmoil going on with interest rates and um, you know the the war in Ukraine. But you know, how are you all seeing that impacting early stage venture markets, whether that's at valuations or just uh, the general market as a whole?
1: Yeah, great question. So I've been thinking a lot about this and kind of trying to juxtapose it against what I've been seeing with deals and just generally the conversations I've been having with some other investors in the space. And I think what we've been seeing right now is there's a lot more pressure on later stage fundraising, so A's, B's, and beyond, just because there's a little bit more of the valuation is tied to different growth metrics. And those growth metrics are ultimately benchmarked to public market comps. And we're seeing that the markets are kind of all over the place these days. And as a result, we're starting to see investors be a little bit more conservative in how they're pricing deals, a little bit more conservative in how they're allocating their capital. Um, I, we're starting to see, at least in my experience, a little bit of that at the earliest stage. So at the seed stage, but because valuations are priced so differently here, I, I'm not seeing as much in terms of like the valuation price in and of itself, but a little bit more in terms of like deal frequency and volume. I would say deals are slowing down in terms of announcement to like actual close. Whereas you know through the end of last year and even through like summer and fall of last year, deals were just popping off like really really fast, um, very much a breakneck speed. So it's just definitely been a calming bit, and I think that's people becoming a little bit more anxious about what could and may happen. But I haven't necessarily seen any large impact on valuations just yet.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, we're, we're kind of seeing the same thing and just you know, market compression, a bit more of valuations being slightly more conservative. And then like you mentioned, deal cadence as well. And so kind of, kind of piggybacking off of that, are there any trends that you see taking shape you know, throughout the first few months of 2022 or that you anticipate will take shape um, throughout the remainder of the year that you can kind of speak to that you're excited about or founders should be cautious about or investors should be cautious about?
1: Honestly, I feel like it's still a little bit of, of the Wild West in terms of like what industries are going to like really explode and become big. Um, always tracking Web3 and and diving into the metaverse. I feel like Most investors are are sort of like tapping into that, trying to understand exactly what their position is, trying to understand exactly how how they want to invest, what their strategy is there. And me personally, I'm constantly like reading up and trying to get smart in terms of like what my personal thesis is on that space. Um, I think it is an election year. So we're going to see a lot of focus politically, um, kind of changing hands, kind of seeing you know where student loans are going to net out. And I think riding on those political tailwinds, there'll be a lot of different conversations in different industries that'll bubble up as well. Um, so I would say fintech is always one space that is always hot, always happening. But with student loan repayment potentially coming back online, potentially getting delayed a little bit more, we're going to see a little bit more conversation around debt, repayment and just general personal finance conversations. And then finally, I think we're, we're gonna start seeing a little bit more of the longer term outcomes from the great resignation. So thinking a little bit about how gig workers, how small and medium businesses will continue to involve, how different workers and employees have greater demands of their employers, so how the benefit space will kind of sort of continue to expand personal care, self-care. I think these are all really critical things as as we become more mindful about our headspaces. we become more aware of our mental health. Um, so another sector that I'm I'm really passionate about that I think will continue to be really popular through the end of 2022.
0: Yeah. I love the point of, you know, what we're going to see from the great resignation right now. We know talent is incredibly hard to find um, for some of the most qualified and well-paying jobs. Um, Talent is still difficult to find, and that's kind of underpinned by a shift to the creator economy and mm-hmm. a shift to entrepreneurship. People are starting to kind of work for themselves a bit more and leaving the corporations, leaving the tech jobs, um, which is leaving a lot of um, unfilled roles. So a lot of, lot of, lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts in yeah. kind of this this interesting economy that we're in. And you know, we're almost at the end of. Q1 here in a few days. And so, you know, what's what's exciting for the rest of the year in terms of revolution? You know, I know there's typically a bus tour. Is there going to be yeah. another bus tour going on this year?
1: Oh, great, great call out. Yeah. So we often joke, born from a bus tour, Rise of the Rest was originally founded based on bus tours that we did throughout the U.S. Um, and we would hold pitch competitions um, in each city that we visited. The jury's still out whether or not there'll be a bus tour for 2022. So stay tuned and hopefully you'll see some news from us on that front. But the Revolution team, more broadly, we're back on the road. So we'll be in cities all across the U.S. holding different events, meeting up with our um, portfolio companies, as well as our co-investors. We spent time already in places like Austin and Dallas and New Orleans. Um, in Bentonville, Arkansas. So we're just going to continually um, continue to visit all of the cities that we, we love near and dear, as well as new, new geographies for us too. Um, I know personally, I'll be spending some time later this year in Omaha, down in Atlanta, in the Raleigh-Durham area, out in Seattle, as well as in Portland, Maine. Um, so really, really vast geo coverage there, but I'm really excited to, to be back on the road and actually back in the ecosystems that, that we love to invest
0: in. Yeah, I love it. And I, I was just on the road this week as well. And it's great to kind of see things opening back up and, and actually seeing people in person. Zoom.
1: Nothing gets- beats that in-person connect.
0: Exactly. Zoom gets a bit exhausting, as you know, and I'm sure yeah. everybody else has, you know, some level of Zoom fatigue nowadays, but I'm excited that you all are getting back on the road. And, you know, how can our listeners who maybe have some deals to send you or want to pitch you, how can they get in touch with you or someone on your team?
1: Yeah, definitely. So if you go to the Revolution website, you'll be able to find the rest of our team and our bios there, as well as an opportunity to like sign up for our newsletter, which goes out quarterly with really great updates on our portfolio companies, as well as a better way to stay in touch with where we'll be um, each quarter, um, as well as just being able to get connected to our team. So there's a, an email at the bottom of that page. It'll sync on the back end to all of our investor team. Would also encourage everyone to reach out to us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter. Give us a shout out. Would love to connect see deal flow, and just try to be a friend to you all in the industry as you continue to grow and in whatever ways that may be.
0: Awesome. I love it. Well, Mahati, this was such a fascinating and insightful conversation for me and our listeners. So I'm excited to have this episode go live in a few weeks and looking forward to, to kind of seeing you out maybe in the ecosystem a bit more here.
1: Yeah. I would love to actually meet in person. Uh, Definitely. We'll sync up when I'm in Atlanta next.
0: For sure. That sounds great. Thanks Mahadi. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers.
1: Have a good one.
2: We're thrilled to have you as an Atlanta startup podcast listener to help you get the most out of the experience. Let me invite you to three insider opportunities from our host, Valor Ventures. First, Want to be a guest on this amazing show? Reach out to our booking team at atlantastartuppodcast.com. Click on Booking. It's a no-brainer from there. Are you raising a seed round? Valor definitely wants to hear from you. Share your startup story at valor.vc forward slash Are you a woman or minority-led startup? Valor's sister program, the Startup Runway Foundation, gives away grants to promising startups led by underrepresented founders. The mission of the Startup Runway Foundation is connecting underrepresented founders to their first investors. Startup Runway finalists have raised over $40 million. See if you qualify for one of these amazing grants at startuprunway.org. You can also sign up for our next showcase for free there. Let me let you go today with a shout-out to Startup Runway presenting sponsor, Cox Enterprises, And to our founding partners, American Family Institute, Truist, Georgia Power, Avanta Ventures, and Innovators Legal. These great organizations make Startup Runway possible. Thanks for listening today and see you back next week.